Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. We continue learning Hodot Halevavot, Duties of the Heart by Rabbi Ba'iya Ibn Pakuda. And he says that the Mishnah says, do not be like the servant who serves his master to gain a reward. Rather be like the one who serves not, the, not to be rewarded. So this is not an easy task. Really, if you look at everything you do, you have an agenda behind it. Everybody does. Even the most beautiful rabbi, he needs the money for his shul, so he's gonna do whatever he needs to pe get people to donate, because everybody has an agenda. Even if it's a holy agenda, we all have an agenda. So this is not an easy task, and you might even consider it as an impossible one. In the shard that precedes Shar Habitahon, Shar Abodat Hailokim, the, the gate of, of servitude, Rabbi Bahia Rabbi says in his introduction that everything we do, even when we're fulfilling Hashem's mitzvot, is actually driven by self-interest. Not selflessness, he cites five examples of this. So the Torah requires an employer to give those who work for him uh, um, kind and considerate treatment, like we see in Parasha Mishpatim, uh, the way we have to treat our, our, in those days there were slaves, how you have to treat your slaves. So for example, if, the, if there's only one piece of meat in the house, you give it to the slave or your servant. Or if there's only one uh, mattress for you and there's no more mattresses, you sleep in the floor and you give the mattress to your servant. So we see that the Torah has very considerate treatment towards our employees. Still, the person that keeps these mitzvahs, his true motivation in treating his workers well is to create an, a beautiful environment for them, that they should be content and they should work better for you. So the second example, he says there's a rich man's generosity to the poor people, will be motivated by reward, his kindness will earn him in the Olam Abba. So you know, Hashem tells us if we give Sadaqa, we're promised the Olam Abba. So this person gives Sadaqa because yeah, it's a mitzvah, but there's a reward for it. Kindness and consideration towards friends or col colleagues, this is the third one, is partly motivated by the need to attain a good reputation or to find opportunities to receive a payback at some future time. So you see, you're nice to people because yes, you want the people to say that you're a nice person. Uh, for you, it's important to be part of your society. Uh, there, there's a, something behind. So the fourth one, he says, people who help the starving and desperate ultimately do so to stop their own distress as seeing others in pain. So how many times have you walked down New York or anywhere where you have a homeless person and you're so, you're ready to choke from seeing the suffering of that person that you give him one dollar so you can feel better. And five, lastly, even the love and help a father gives to his son in reality is actually giving it to himself because the success of his son is his own success. His son is part of him. If the, if the son is not doing well, he's not going to be doing well. So in fact, several of these self-driven motivations may exist simultaneously and maybe are motivations to do mitzvot. You may help a desperate person to stop your own distress at seeing his state to gain kudos. Kudos is like 
good eyes from other people and at the same time to get reward in heaven. How then can any human being really escape his fundamental nature and really develop a relationship with Hashem in which he does things for no ulterior motive. We do Leshem Shamayim for the sake of heaven. So Rabbi Salman Sorotskin, the Oznaim La Torah, who was a Torah leader in pre-war Poland, he offers encouragement to us. And he says that in Parasha Lech Lecha, we find that Abraham Avinu receives his first order from God in which God tells him Lech Lecha, leave your father's house eh, behind, move to a new place I'm gonna show you, eh, leave your place and Hashem doesn't even tell him where he's taking him and Hashem leaves the details of the destination very vague and the rewards Abraham will get eh, by contrast if he chooses to obey Hashem is very precise in his rewards. He tells him exactly crystal clear what he's gonna have. So Abraham and his wife Sarah were barren, they hadn't had a child yet and Hashem promised him that when they that they will have a son from Klal Israel and that's how the Jewish people will be established. Uh, he told him he would become hugely wealthy and he told him that he was going to be blessed by other people, that he was going to be in very high esteem, he's, he was going to be seen like a prince of the world and that also he's going to be able to be um, a, a source of blessing to the world and those who stand against him will be guaranteed to fall. So the Torah records that unsurprisingly Abraham obeyed. The Torah adds the words, Kasher diber alav Hashem. He obeyed as Hashem had commanded him to do. So the Oznaim La Torah, Rabbi Salman Sorotskin, says that despite the promises that Hashem made Abraham, eh, that he promised him everything that he was gonna give him, he knew what he was gonna get, in reality, he fulfilled Hashem's will. Kasher diver alav Hashem. He did it solely because Hashem asked him to do it. This was his, his intention. He, he was not expecting anything. He knew he was going to get it, but he didn't do it because of that. So Abraham had attained a level where his ones were subservient to Hashem's will and he had attained the perspective of do not be like the servant who serves his master to gain reward. So because of this, we walk in his footsteps. We have ingrained in ourselves, we have this DNA of Abraham. We have this potential. We can achieve this within ourselves. And of course, you and I are not Sarah and Abraham. We are, we're not in the level of the tzaddikim. Nevertheless, they're sages. They teach us that every Jew should constantly say, when will my actions reach the level of my father Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov? We should always be aspiring to be able to achieve these levels. It seems then that, when, that even if we're not Abraham and Sarah, we can still act like them. We can emulate them. Even if we don't feel it, we can emulate them. So there is a well-known story told about the Vilna Garon. This is a beautiful story. Uh, he once dispatched one of his Talmidim to, um, to get him an etrog for Sukkot and he sent him to this town where they grew the most beautiful etrogim and, um, and he said to him before he left, he said to him, no matter what it costs you, get me one, get me one of these etrogs. 
It doesn't matter how much, don't come back with an empty hand, bring me the truck. So when he arrived in this town, it had happened that there was a plague that had afflicted the etrogs. They all were unusable, they were not kosher etrogs, they could not be used. There was only one etrog that had survived the plague, it was the owner's field, the owner of this field of etrogs that was able to grab one of these etrogs before the plague hit his other etrogs and he had saved that etrog and he had it for himself. So when the Talmud came to him, he said, look, I only have one etrog, it's my etrog and I'm not, it's not for sale. So the Talmud said, look, I have a lot of money, this etrog is for the Vilna Gaon and uh, he told me to not leave this place without an etrog. So I have all this money and, um, and I'm willing to give it all to you. So the man looked at him and says, no, no, not for a million dollars. I would never sell this etrog. And then when the Talmidim was leaving, he said, you know, but I have an idea. I have an idea. I will sell it to you with the condition that all the mitzvot that go into this etrog by the Vilna Gaon, are given to me as if it's my merit. So the Talmidim was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like he was thinking, like I cannot, I don't know if I can do this. But then he remembered that the Vilna Gaon said to him, Don't live without one. Do pay whatever it needs to be paid, whatever, but bring me the truck. So he remembered these words of the of the of the Vilna Gaon. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll pay for it. And he brought the truck to the Vilna Gaon. When he arrived to the Vilna, he was very concerned. He was very scared of what the Vilna Gaon would say to him. And the, he said to him, look, I'm so sorry. This is what happened, but I brought you the truck, but I promised this, this man, this rich man, the owner of the, of the orchard, that the, the, the mitzvahs that you're gonna fulfill with this etrog will be in his merit. And so he thought the Vilna was gonna get very upset. Instead, he embraced him and he kissed him. He was so happy. And he says, I have always wanted to do a mitzvah 100% l'shem shamayim, for the sake of heaven, with no ulterior motive. Now that I can do the mitzvah of a truck, knowing that I'm not getting any reward, that all the reward is going to this guy, finally I'm able to fulfill the mitzvah l'shem shamayim. Of course we're not the Vilna Gaon, and um, I guess we don't have this type of challenges, but, <clears throat> but what is the relationship we have with Hashem is no small task. Ultimately developing such a relationship even though we know that Hashem will reward us because it's part of the system. He's gonna reward you anyways, but even if we know that we're gonna get the reward when we do a mitzvah, really your intention when you are gonna do it, say it's L'shem Shemaim. This is for the sake of heaven. Just think about it, say it, it's L'shem Shemaim. When we do this, says the Hovot HaLevavot, he says that then we can come to achieve this goal. We can come to get, to get to that place. So I leave you here, I wish you a blessed week, and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.